Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That'll be it, Wellington, with a 50... Not many people would have picked that scoreline. 56-27... As I said, it can be very cruel, our game. No way that counties deserve to lose by that much. Wellington successfully defend the shield and get the points in the Bunnings NPC. 56 to 27, Wellington over counties Monaco. Well, sitting top of the NPC table with their perfect record still intact and the Ranfilly Shield back in the cabinet. Tamati Ellison can be very pleased with the way his Wellington Lions tenure is going so far. The defending champs no doubt have a target on their back so far this season, but in six attempts they've managed to repel every challenge put towards them so far. Counties Monaco are the latest to leave the capital empty-handed after that to pasting at the weekend. A team in this sort of form deserves a very special voice to celebrate them. So we've gone to the top proud Wellingtonian legendary broadcaster and passionate rugby man through and through. Mr Keith Quinn joins us. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Smithy. Nice to be with you, mate. It's uh, nice to be talking about Wellington rugby at the moment, uh, Keith Quinn, because you've you've been living and breathing it for a long period of time. How are you enjoying this little period of Wellington? Well, I can remember when we won the Shield, uh, wait for it, Smithy, in 1956. And I think we lost to a horrible, horrible thing coming down from Auckland. And uh, they had their supporter was a big penguin called the Great Orc. And they beat us 9-6 on Athletic Park. Uh, and I think it was all penalties. It was a lot of that stuff. But 1956 was a great year because we beat the Springboks. So it's that Renfrewly Shield result is kind of tucked away. But, yeah, this is a big this is a big thing for uh, Wellington Rugby at the moment. However, I've got to say, Smithy, I don't know if the people down here appreciate what they've got. Uh, if the crowd at the stadium... And it's not a giant 55,000-seat stadium. It's not a one like they're going to play the Rugby World Cup in. It's a 35,000-seat stadium. I know what it's like when it's full because I saw it in the women's soccer a couple of weeks ago, women's football, but uh, the, it's empty for these Ramfilly Shield matches. Uh, and we've got a great young team, which is well worthwhile going along to watch and celebrate the game, a great game, following the bouncing ball. Well, that 56 Shield Challenge, I would imagine, was packed to the rafters Athletic Park back in the day. They'd have been clinging on to the top of the Millard stand, Quinny. What has happened to get it to this point that you were just talking about? Where has it all disappeared from? Well, I guess we're only part of the uh, malaise that has uh, come into a lot of rugby uh, around uh, the country and around the world. There's other things to do on the weekends. Back when I was a kid, there was nothing to do on the weekends. It was the uh, uh, shops shut on a Saturday, uh, Friday night. They didn't open again till Monday, uh, and uh, the pubs shut at six o'clock. So uh, you couldn't you couldn't take a drink to the rugby or anything like that. We were too too young anyway. So there was very little else to do. Shops didn't open on the weekend. That was the other thing. So um, so uh, we just. Um, we, we went to our sports events. We either played them or went to watch them. 
and uh, so the crowds were there. Not many specialised different sports. It was mostly rugby and football in the winter and hockey uh, and in the summer cricket and tennis. But apart from that, life was much different then and much more ordered. So people went mm. to the events they followed. But these days, there are many, many distractions. There are distractions in sport. And it seems like going to watch a rugby match on a Friday night uh, is, is not a, as a high a priority as it used to be. Talking to Keith Quinn, folks, you will recognise the voice. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the great broadcasters our country has ever, ever produced. Uh, Quinny, you've seen so much of it. How much uh, do we have to protect uh, the NPC level of rugby? Of course, back in the day, it was just, you know, province against province. Uh, they didn't have any fancy names. It didn't need it. But uh, these days, this NPC level that, of rugby, how important is it to protect? Look, I tell you what, I like watching it. I really do. And I think that that's, that's one of the key things we, we have to protect. If someone uh, says to me, oh, there's a... Uh, is Otago versus Auckland it's on TV uh, Sky TV on a Friday night I'll make sure, I'll try to make sure I watch some of it or if not all of it I like the uh, level of uh, provincial rugby in New Zealand I like the super level that's, that's higher but certainly I love the, uh, the provincial rugby I'm uh, very sad that in these uh, reports that I read about the, uh, the, the look at the governance of the game the word club is hardly cited anywhere because all over New Zealand, in little nooks and crannies and in the big cities and in the little country places, there are still rugby clubs operating, playing their little competitions. And on the wall of the warm clubhouses afterwards, you see people uh, admiring the photographs of the teams that have gone before. Uh, and that's hardly mentioned, not even mentioned much in this latest reports. So maybe the, 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 the part of the game that's going to fall off the bottom is club rugby, and that will make me very sad, if not angry. Well, uh, it'll, it'll make a lot of people very sad and a lot of people very angry because, of course, where you know, if you've got a first 15, um, and you know, schools, most proud rugby schools do have a worthy first 15, where do they go next after there? Well, I, I don't know. Your pre-match report said something. Uh, I was only half listening. I'm sorry, Smithy, about basketball, the rise of basketball. Uh, basketball bothers me as well because that's a very strong rising sport for young people, boys and girls, men and young women in New Zealand schools. But after they leave school, there's not a lot of competitions for young secondary school teams to go into and play. It, it just seems to be a, a kind of a full stop. I know that for basketball, for instance, you've got to have a, a, a court to play on indoors, but you can't really play basketball outdoors. Netball seems to be able to flourish outdoors, but I'm, I worry about basketball too. Everyone talks about the rise and rise of basketball, but uh, I don't sort of hear about it as a, uh, a country that has leagues of basketball competitions of uh, post-secondary school kids uh, being played. Right, OK. Uh, well, the pinnacle of uh, all rugby, of course, uh, starts this weekend, and it starts for us at uh, Stade de France uh, in Paris, uh, Quinny, and uh, it's the All Blacks uh, 
uh, v France, as we well know. If you go, if you look to get into this World Cup, and you've seen all of the World Cups, you've worked on uh, quite a few of them as well. Where do you see the All Blacks positioned going into this World Cup? Uh, I see us uh, qualifying out of Pool A, uh, but I see us having to work quite hard because we, we don't know the strength of Italy. They played quite a good game the other day against Japan, and I was, I was quite impressed. And uh, so we've got to play quite well. We might drop a game against uh, uh, France this weekend because they're, they're a strong team. It's a home game for them. It's their World Cup. So they'll be even standing even bigger and taller as players on the field. Um, but if we then cross over in the qualification and play, uh, I think it's Ireland in the next uh, quarterfinals level and lose that, we're on the early plane home. Uh, and hopefully that terrible scene that I heard about where the players heading home early after losing to France in 2007, they met the supporters going over to see them play in the semifinals. They met them at Japan airports in Tokyo, uh, and it was very embarrassing. But uh, I just hope that we don't go out at that level. But it's a very even World Cup, as I see it, uh, and it's going to be hard to make it beyond the pool play into the quarterfinals and then be winners beyond that. What uh, have you made, I mean, uh, two weeks ago or 10 days ago, we watched the All Blacks uh, run over by the Springboks. Um, what did you make of that performance? Was, it, was that a worrying sign for you, Quinny, or just, um, was it just one to, to learn from as such? Yeah, you know me, but they've always got a, a boring story. Back in the, when I went on the 1976 tour of South Africa, in the team with the All Blacks was Frank Oliver, who later became a captain, and his son became a captain as well. And Frank said to me one night, uh, how come they breed these men over here so big in South Africa? What do they eat in their tucker that we don't eat in our tucker back home? And I said, I do not know, Frank. Now, last Saturday, Frank's sadly no longer with us, but last weekend we saw the South African men come out on the field, and they were way bigger than our guys were, especially through the, uh, the, the second row where the, you've got to get the ball from the line-out possessions, and they did, uh, and they, they, they played the rules to a new use by having a kind of a run-on second forward pack and uh, with, uh, with guile and thinking w within the square in a new way using their reserves they outplayed us because the guys that we had coming on for uh, replacements, they like no disrespect to those lads that came on, Vi and Lord. They looked like boys coming on to play men. They did. They absolutely did, Quinny. So uh, yeah, it was quite revealing, actually. And, and um, well, Earl Curtin used to say you can't coach gas, but pretty hard to coach against that kind of size as well. Well, you can't coach against meat. Because they had the, that first front row that was on, uh, and then they went off at half to, halfway through the game, and the second front row came on, who were even bigger munters. We used to call look for monsters. Now we look for munters. And then the guys <laughs> in the second row, uh, the guys in the second row were giants. They were all the same guys. Frank Oliver used to say, "We see them Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday." 
in every game in South Africa, and they were playing 24 matches. And they were always bigger than we were, and he wanted to know what they ate in their tucker. And uh, so that's what you still have to ask now. The facts are they're a bigger race of people in terms of height in some areas of their uh, populace, and they're a bigger, wider a, a, a person in, in some other areas of their personage. So they and then they use the rules, the laws of the game to a new way, and they can bring on a second pack. Now they only had one reserve back, but uh, I've been around that sevens tour, and I saw this guy come in uh, one time. I played for them over the last four or five years. I was on that tour. His name was Quagga Smith, and we thought, who's this guy? What's his role? He was the halfback. Larry is listed last Saturday as a flanker, and if South Africa had an injury to their little halfback, uh, he'd have gone off hurt, and Quagga Smith, loose forward, would have come on and played as uh, as the scrum half. Because he's, I've seen him do it for five years. I saw him do it on the seventh tour. You know, the great Danny Craven, which everyone who knows about the history of South African sport knows about Danny Craven, Danny Craven played some of his tests as a halfback. He partially invented the dive pass. He also played some tests as a number eight forward because they've always had it in their thinking, the South Africans. I think they've put it on a back burner for a couple of decades. But last Saturday at Twickenham, they brought it out again to test it and run it through and see if the New Zealanders can cope. And then they blinked, and they were leading 35 to nil at one stage. And I thought it was going to be a nil uh, against New Zealand, which is an honourable score. Don't get me wrong, nil is an honourable score if you've played your guts out. Uh, thankfully, we got the late try to Roygaard, so we didn't get 35 to nil. But 35 to seven was a real hammering for us. And the Springboks, they work the system, and they'll be very satisfied with that score. Quinny, um, how would you go calling a game of rugby these days? I, I, mean, I would imagine you'd handle it with a plum anyway, but how would you go calling a game of rugby where 40 minutes now, because of the legislation, uh, because of the scrutiny from officials, lasts for an hour? Uh, I mean, an 80-minute game going for two hours, basically. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, dear old Bill McLaren, who old, older people who watched the game, remember he was the, the doyen of co- commentaries, he used to say to me, don't forget, the cameras will sometimes swing on to people sitting in the grandstands who are the officials. So you've got to know their names too, Keith. You've got to know the names of the reserves and the the, the, the man who's sitting with a suit on next to uh, the princess and uh, all of that sort of stuff. You've got to know the names of everybody in the game. Now, there's 23 in each team, that's 46. There's a reserves um, team on the field that's uh, of three or four on the field. There's reserves who look after them holding clipboards and notebooks just on the halfway line. Now you've got to look for the names and do your research and get the pronunciation of their names correctly of the other four or five, or was it six, in the TMO office upstairs somewhere. It's, it really is... Uh, I'm not necessarily complaining, but it's a new test for broadcasters. That's why you and me and all the other of his great many mates will tip our uh, hats to Nisbo and the boys when they go over and commentate this time. Mm. 
It's a challenge, all right, Quinny. Um, I've, I've got to say, it's been wonderful talking to you. What, what do you? Uh, I mean, I obviously retired these days, but what are you? How are you spending your time? Um, I, I, I write books, funnily enough, Smithy, about the Rugby World Cup. I decided to write a boutique book about each Rugby World Cup, and I get them finalised, and I've just written about four of them. I'm now getting to write about the 2003 World Cup. I'm writing about Johnny Wilkinson dropping a goal at uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground. I'm writing about uh, the guy, uh, Sterling Mortlock, who did the intercept and run away to beat New Zealand and send us to the third place game. So that's been uh, an interesting thing to write about. And when I finish that, I want to write about the 2007 World Cup because it gives me something to do and keep me thinking about the game. I, I go down and watch. I belong to the Wellington Football Club, the Axemen, mm. who you'll know from yes. Wellington, mate. And I go along yeah. and watch them every Saturday. And we came dead last in the competition this year. And we came dead last in the competition last year. But I don't mind because they're my club. And I go along and support them. So in my retirement years, uh, uh, Smithy, I'm graciously growing old. I'm never sick of the game. <laughs> I'm excited about the upcoming matches of the World Cup. And I'll be there on the sideline for the Wellington Football Club, the mighty, mighty X-Men, uh, at the start of next season. I know you will, Quinny. It has been absolutely fantastic to catch up with you and hear you sounding so bloody brilliant like you could call a game uh, this afternoon, mate. Congratulations on what you're achieving. I'm looking forward to those books. And um, uh, stay well and uh, enjoy the World Cup. Eh? Thanks so much uh, for, for talking to us this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Smithy. Loved it.